Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. Uh, if you heard my interview with Union Men's Head Hockey Coach Josh Halsey on a separate podcast, we're going to uh, talk about college hockey with Union, and then we're going to talk to the players. I had the chance to interview uh, three players on Tuesday at the media availability, forward Ben Tupker, goaltender Kyle Chauvet, and defenseman Colin Ferguson. Also on the docket, uh, Union Women's Hockey, uh, Emily King of Senior Forward, goaltender Sophie Masukas, and uh, Coach uh, Josh Skiba, they'll be all on the podcast as well. And then later on, Kevin Graber, a former CBA and St. Rose baseball standout. Well, he got at the Tennessee Smokies, the Chicago Cubs AA affiliate, to the Southern League title. We'll talk to him about that. So he had a great conversation there. So uh, coming up, we're going to talk Union Men's Hockey with uh, Ben Tupker, Colin Ferguson, and Kyle Chauvet. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, auto racing fans. The Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is run by the Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Sports Department. Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google app stores. Hey, everybody. This is Don Barnes from 38 Special. And you're always rocking into the night when you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Hold on loosely, Ken. Just don't ever let go. Welcome back to the podcast. The Union men's hockey team uh, starts play this weekend. They have an exhibition game Saturday at RPI, but everything gets going for real on Sunday at 2 o'clock when the Garnet Chargers, and still getting used to saying Garnet Chargers instead of Dutchman, uh, they're heading down to uh, Army West Point to take on the uh, the Black Knights, and uh, that's the second consecutive year that Union has gone down there. Um, had a chance on Tuesday at the, the media availability to talk to three players, uh, the team captain Ben Tupker, goaltender Kyle Chauvet, and uh, defenseman Colin Ferguson. So here's that interview I had on Tuesday. So guys, I mean, how, how excited are you guys to get things going uh, the season? Obviously you had the scrimmage against RPI Saturday, but you, everything gets going for real on Sunday against Army. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, obviously we have a lot of returners on the squad. So for uh, a lot of us, we've been kind of itching for, um, you know, I don't even know how many months at this point, but it feels like quite a while. So um, got the new guys into the fold and they've all acclimated super well. So yeah, I think everybody just kind of count down to the dance at this point. Kyle, for you? Yeah, no, I'm pumped for the season to start. Like, I mean, this month it's it's been long, a lot of training, um, but like it's necessary for the season. I'm just ready to get going this weekend. And yeah. you mean September now, because obviously we're in October now, so. Yeah, exactly. Call <laughs> uh, yeah. for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been six months of hard work. I think uh, the second the season ended, a lot of guys just, like, moved on right away and looked at, like, this year. Uh, I think a lot of guys have really been putting a lot of work in, and you've seen uh, seen a lot of guys putting work in behind the, uh, behind the scenes, and 
I mean, the guys are so excited to get going. There's been like a lot of excitement um, just being here. Since I've been here, this is like the most excited group I've been uh, I've been a part of, and I think everybody really wants to get this thing rolling. Why do you think that is? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is like uh, it's I'd say a, a new uh, new era. I think um, I think our goal right now is uh, to put respect back in uh, in uh, Union College, and I think we're going to do that this year. So. Kyle, I mean, you guys have been you know, playing against each other for the, for the during September. How good is it going to be, obviously, to, to finally play against somebody other than your teammates? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be exciting. Like, we talked about it today, like, um, getting to go out there and, and play another team. It's, I mean, it's rewarding for us. Like, we want to be able to go out there and compete. And um, every single game in college hockey is a battle, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I think the same thing. I think we have a super uh, competitive group this year, so um, it's going to be fun to, you know, kind of uh, put to the test all the hard work that we've had so far. So, yeah, just like all these other guys said, we're super excited. How comfortable are you guys uh, compared to last year when you know, getting to know Josh? Now you guys have a year under your belt with him. Uh, so what's has is the, the practices been a lot cleaner or a lot smoother than maybe last year? Uh, I mean, I think there's like a lot of different factors go into it. I think that uh, right off the get-go last year, I, I said it before, but I think the coaches made everybody pretty comfortable right off the um, right off the jump. But I think that just comes down to us as players in terms of just uh, knowing what their uh, expectations are as a staff and um, just being comfortable with them as people. So I think that uh, the group of 28 guys have built a good bond with them over uh, the start of the preseason here. So yeah, I think everybody knows exactly uh, what needs to be done and how we do things here. Colin, obviously you guys have the um, exhibition against RPI on Saturday, but what are you looking for out of that exhibition heading into Sunday's uh, regular season start against Army? Yeah, I mean, just to go with what you said earlier, I mean, we've been practicing against each other for the last, I'd say, like, month or so, and it really it really just comes down to how you play in a game, right? Um, everything's going to be uh, up a notch, and you're not hitting your teammates anymore. You're hitting guys that want to knock you out and uh, want to put the puck in your net, so... I think a lot of things are going to boil down to how we uh, how we do against RPI, and that's going to dictate a lot of the lineup and how we do things moving forward. How important is I mean, it's a rivalry with RPI, obviously, but how important is it to maybe set the rivalry aside because it, you know, the out, the final score is not going to matter in this game. It's more about getting some reps, and everybody's going to play. So, how important is it to, to do your job when the time you have? Out, I mean, I don't know how long you're going to play or so, but how important is it to, you know, to be able to do your job in that time you're out there? Yeah, I mean, every time you step on the ice, you have a job, and you want to make sure you do it to the best of your ability, and that's uh, that's your job, and you got to make sure that you hold yourself accountable, whether it's an exhibition game, whether it's a playoff game, no matter what it is. Like, at the end of the day, like you need to hold yourself accountable and do what you need to do, whether it's um, blowing a guy up or making a breakout pass. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you have to do a job. Kyle, for you, obviously, you're coming in as the incumbent uh, returning goaltender uh, with you know, the most games we played last year. Uh, how, how important is it to, to you know, have a good period against RPI when you, you play there Saturday? And, uh, I, I know uh, Josh hasn't announced the starting goaltender yet, but how important is it for you to, to be able to play well in the one period you're going to play on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important. I mean, I'm going to go out there and, and compete just like I do every day. And... Um, like I think, no matter exhibition game, regular season game, you just gotta prepare the same way. And um, like, we all want to win. We're all competitors. So even though it's an exhibition game, we're we're gonna go out there and uh, put out our best. Yeah, Ben. Last year, you guys opened the season with 
back-to-back -back games, uh, a home game here, then down to Army. Uh, it, it, that was the first, you know, obviously the first weekend, and maybe the legs weren't there because it looked like guys were a little tired in that Army game. So how good is it to have this uh, exhibition game before you play the regular season game, even though it's a back-to-back -back situation? Because you're not going to play as much in this uh, exhibition game as you would in the, if it was a regular season game. Yeah, I think it's just good, um, you know, a good opportunity for guys to build a little extra chemistry with, uh, you know, who you're going over the over the boards with, and um, it's a good chance for the new guys just to get comfortable, um, you know, put the jersey on for the first time, kind of maybe get any nerves out of the way before going into Sunday. So um, it's just a great test for you know us to put it. Um, our systems in place and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think we have a good uh, setup going into the weekend. And then, um, you know, Sunday there's no real excuse in terms of not having legs or anything like that because um, the exact same thing happened last year in terms of uh, going up the day of. So, um, yeah, it just goes back to everybody knows what to expect this year. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited for uh, to get going. Also on Tuesday, the women's team had its media availability at uh, Mesa Rink. Uh, I spoke with uh, forward Emily King, goaltender Sophie Matsukas, and head coach Josh Skiba. We talked about uh, previous games, including the uh, split last week against Robert Morris, and getting set for this weekend's uh, pair of games, uh, non-conference affairs, against Holy Cross at Mesa Rink, both at 6 o'clock starts. So here's uh, Sophie Matsukas, Emily King, and Josh Skiba. Joshua, um, I know we talked about the goaltending situation after the first two games. Uh, last week, Sophie played both games. Was there maybe a subtle message you were trying to send to her at all? To Sophie? Yeah. Um, no, Sophie was fantastic on, on Friday, so we wanted to continue to play um, her on Saturday. So um, we've told the goaltenders, hey, if they're, if they're going, they're prepared to, to play, they're going to continue to play. And I think that's always been the message. We're going to put the goaltender in there that we feel is going to give us the best chance to win. We felt like she was dialed on Friday. Um, she needed another opportunity on Saturday, and that was the decision. So for you, we, we, you started all the games last year. Yeah, you didn't start that second game of the season. Were you kind of surprised by that, or what was your reaction when you didn't start that game? I think I knew coming in that there's three other goalies that can that I'm competing with, and that it can happen any time. And I felt that I didn't play that well on, or I didn't play to my potential on the first Saturday St. Cloud game. So I, I knew it could happen, and it did, and it just pushed me to become stronger for the next week and be ready for that. Is it? Having somebody, a couple other goaltenders there, I can push you. I mean, how much does that help help you get better? It helps a lot. Just seeing how good these goalies are and how good I can be, and just see, yeah, seeing how good they are, and that I want to be better and I want to play, and I just it pushes me to be better. Yeah, obviously, last weekend was a tough. Yeah, split you split the weekend a tough loss Saturday. Um, and watching the game, look, yeah, you know, I don't think any of the goals were your fault. Uh, but how do you think? How would you assess your play from last weekend? Um, against St. Cloud? No, last week against uh, Robert Morris. Um, pretty good. I felt really confident. I felt like I was dialed in, and I felt that they weren't scoring on me. I knew what I was doing, and I felt I felt confident when I was in the net. Ellie, for you, you didn't play Friday last Friday. Was there a reason for that? I mean, that's uh, yeah, yeah, just a team. It was a team decision for her not to play. Um, did that bother you, Emily? No. Not playing? No. Well, I mean, it bothers me not to be on the ice, but I think that if it's, I think that it's a team sport, and if it's the better, if it's better for the team, and it's like a team choice, then I mean, I'm a part of a team, so I'm gonna. That follow the, yeah. That, yeah, that delayed your hundredth career game. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah, it's just a stat. It doesn't really matter. To score in your hundredth career game, what did that mean to you? 
That's cool. I like. I mean, I. I guess like the number of games isn't mattered that much to me I just am happy to be out there and I'm happy to contribute to the goal scoring of the team any in any way that I can how do you see the goaltending situation because now you obviously you know, Sophie's been here and now there's some you know pretty good uh, backup to her I mean, does that do you guys feel you're stronger in goal than maybe last year I don't know if it like makes her stronger but I think that, like uh, now the that we have the team yeah. overall that, yeah a, well I think just having like scratches in general and extra goalies makes our team more competitive because honestly at the end of the day like nobody's spot is safe and I think that, that creates yeah a lot more competitiveness between our team which makes everybody better <coughs> at the end of the day because you're all just trying as hard as you can every day to prove that you deserve the spot you're in how would you assess the Robert Morris uh, weekend? I mean, obviously, you won. You had the four goal outburst Friday night. You're up uh, two nothing going into the third period, but the same things fell apart in the third in the overtime. Yeah, I think. I mean, Friday, I think we we really came to play. I think in the, the later stages of second, I think the third. Obviously, we took over that game, so we were really uh, pleased with how we finished. You know, the game and what we learned, and, and obviously taking two points is, is the expectation, right? Like our our standard now here is we expect to win hockey games, right? It's not just to compete. It's it's not to um, you know just show up and not lose by whatever. Our expectation is to win hockey games. So um, Saturday, our expectation was to come back and win and, and take four points on the weekend. I think you know we're we're up two nothing with 14 minutes ago. We have four power plays. I think we were just a little bit more disappointed that we didn't win key moments in the game right I think the management of the puck later in the game was something that we're going to continue to talk about and stress for this week um, but we want to find a way to finish out that game we want to make some better decisions with the puck we want to execute a little bit better and you know I think yeah Robert Morris uh, came back they went in overtime but I think in a lot of ways we kind of beat ourselves you know to, to lose that hockey game and that's something that we just want to improve on so I liked our team's compete level I think we, we've got to get better um, in terms of how we execute and how we finish out that game Going back to the goaltending situation, is this the strongest uh, you've had in goaltending with <clears throat> Sophia and the others? I mean, it seems like you, you have you know, some very good uh, goaltenders here. Yeah, we do. We have, we have, it's nice to have options. You know, I think it, it adds to the, the position when you have different people that can play, uh, that can practice every day, right? And I think when they're pushing each other and, and they develop uh, a mindset that, you know, they're going to challenge us and make it difficult to, you know, make the coaches have a difficult decision who's going to start, um, it helps our team. Right, so we have really quality goaltending, and we have people in other spots too that are filling different roles for us too. So we're really excited with with what we have. Absolutely. Yeah, Holy Cross coming in this weekend. What are you expecting? Uh, games just like last year, right? A big, heavy team. Um, certainly going to be a physical game. Um, I think we match up really well. I think we're a better skating team than, than what they are right now. But uh, we expect a hard-fought game, just like Robert Morris, right? And I think we're going to respect our opponent, but we're going to make sure we're even more prepared than, than what we were this past weekend. Emily, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I always view that you should just play every game the same, not really, like, think about too much who you're playing because every game is the same as long as, you know, you just want to win. And But I think that we're preparing well and – watching a lot of video and getting a lot stronger in the weight room and doing extra conditioning and skills. And like, we're trying as hard as we can to prepare so that we expect to win. Sophie? I think going off that too, we have four games ahead of them. So we have learned a lot already and it, we have no idea what, we know what they're coming in with from the past, but we don't know what they already have this year. So I think it's good to come in kind of blind, like not knowing, only playing our game, not worrying about what they're doing, not worrying about 
what they do on the power player PK. Like we're playing our own game. We're playing how we play, and that'll get us where we want to <coughs> go. Later on Tuesday, uh, Josh Skiba sent me a voice uh, text message. Uh, I went to clarify some comments that he made during the uh, conference. So here's what Josh had to say about uh, that. Later on Tuesday, uh, Josh Skiba sent me a voice uh, text message. Uh, I went to clarify some comments that he made during the uh, conference. So here's what Josh had to say about uh, that. Um, I was just kind of thinking about some of the answers that I gave you to the questions today. And I think the first question you asked about, were we sending a message to Sophie, uh, you know, in, in terms of the game? And I, I think I answered that through the lens of this past weekend. And I think I believe you might have been asking about the St. Cloud weekend. And, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, obviously the goaltender that is, is going to play um, is going to give us the best chance to win is always going to be the goalie that plays. Um, you know, and I think going back to the St. Cloud weekend, you know, we lose the first game 6-1. I think Sophie kind of alluded to it too, but just she wasn't probably at her best. There was a couple goals I thought that she could have had back. Uh, but it was also an opportunity for us to get Monia in between the pipes against a high-quality opponent. And um, I think it was really good to get both of them in that weekend, get them some ice time and playing. But um, it was never just to send Sophie a message. I think um, certainly we have the competition for the job. Sophie knows that. We've been very clear with, with what we want for this year. But having two, you know, even Emily Evans, three really quality goaltenders that can challenge, um, it really, I think, helps our, our culture in, in a lot of ways. So um, we feel really confident with what we have in that. And then the other question that you asked, um, about, you know, Emily King missing Friday's uh, game this past weekend. And I know I said it was a team decision. And uh, first off, I appreciate you asking that question because I think it's it's a it's a tough question. And I think uh, the players here, it's, it's probably difficult to answer. And uh, I think it's great that you you asked that of of us, too. And I think it's it's our obligation to be able to answer it the right way. So, um, yeah, Emily, and there was other players celeste and, and page made a mistake um you know we have a team culture and we have we have things that are in place we have an accountability structure and they know when they do certain things that there's going to be a consequence that are in line with with whatever mistake that they make right so um i think that's the benefit of having that accountability structure and um we want to make sure that that you know everybody's treated the the, the same and, you know, everybody's accountable to what we do and, and we protect our culture long term. So um, they they served the one game and they were back on, on Saturday. Um, and it was kind of a learning opportunity for them and for our group, quite honestly. So, um, yeah, definitely team decision. It was kind of a bummer to have them out. Um, but I think our team obviously rose to the occasion and, and took care of business on Friday with with some of our our leaders and some of our better, you know, more production players out of the lineup. So um, I just wanted to pass that along to you. So feel free. I mean, if you want to use that stuff, go ahead. Um, but I just felt like I wanted to give you some more context to those and, and answer those appropriately for you. So well, we're going to move over to baseball and talk uh, with uh, Kevin Graber, former CBA and uh, St. Rose standout. He led the Tennessee Smokies to the Southern League title at the, the Cubs AA affiliate. So we're going to talk to him about that and uh, his life in baseball. And it seems like he's having a happy time uh, in baseball. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Meet Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. 
Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is four-time Stanley Cup champion and New York State Hockey Hall of Famer John Tonelli. You're listening to The Parting Shots, podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest just led the Tennessee Smokies to the Southern League title, and he's a former CBA and St. Rose standout. Kevin Graber joins me out. Kevin, uh, welcome to the podcast. I know you're a faithful listener to the podcast because you mentioned that a couple of times in Facebook Messenger. Ken, uh, um, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. <laughs> 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 you doing for the Gazette and with the podcast covering local sports and, and uh, you know, and in, in the capital region, man, it's really, really, really special. Thanks so much for all you do. Well, I appreciate it very much, Kevin. And uh, congratulations to you winning a championship. I know it was just about, you know, next month will be one year since you joined the Cubs to run their um, facility there in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. How did you end up becoming the manager of Tennessee? You know, my trajectory with the Cubs has been interesting. I started November 1st, and my title was um, complex coordinator. And so the job at the time was to uh, move to Arizona, be attached to the spring training complex in Mesa, Arizona, and, uh, you know, work with, uh, you know, coaches and, and uh, strength and conditioning and, and uh, athletic training and everybody there to make sure that the instruction we provide at the spring training facility is consistent and, and it's quality and that uh, there's communication and everything happens the way it should. And then along with that, I was supposed to manage the rookie league team that plays out of that facility in what's called the Arizona Complex League. Um, not long after my arrival, uh, there was a, a vacancy with a position called the field coordinator. And the position I initially had as complex coordinator actually was supposed to report to the field coordinator. But the field coordinator was elevated to big league hitting coach with the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> and so I slid into the field coordinator role just before spring training, a couple weeks before spring training. And uh, that job has a lot of responsibility among it, you know, overseeing what happens during spring training. Uh, then I, I worked minor league spring training and big league spring training. Um, and once we got through that, I was a, a roving instructor traveling to all the different minor league affiliates, um, teaching specifically uh, base dealing, you know, with some of the new uh, rules with the larger bases and, and shorter distance and, and, and pickoff rules and all that fun stuff. We started some new initiatives uh, under the umbrella of base dealing. And then there was a, a vacancy in the AA manager position, and I happened to be a roving instructor in Tennessee at the time. Um, and I just I plugged into that vacancy, and uh, you know, hundred and some games later, uh, here we are, uh, you know, talking about a Southern League championship. So it's been quite a ride thus far for Chicago Cubs. What was the adjustment like taking over the team midseason? Well, I mean, with the players. Um, I fortunately had had some hands-on experience with all of them working with them in spring training and even leading up to spring training. So I had a good relationship with all those players, which was great. Um, you know, assuming the manager's position, um, you know, that was a fun challenge. Uh, first, first and foremost, just getting up to speed with our, our hitting coaches, our pitching coaches, um, you know, strength and conditioning, all the wonderful people attached to that minor league affiliate. Um, and also, you know, management of the Smokies and just, you know, getting into the to the day to day. Um, you know, luckily here we have a great player development department. Uh, you get to work with them when you you know think about things like 
lineups and, and pitching and, and all kinds of fun stuff when you manage a minor league affiliate. So I just kind of got into the river and, and started swimming, and uh, we got things going pretty good. I mean, there were a number of different milestones during the course of the season. Number one is I just wanted to get to the all-star break. <laughs> because <laughs> when, you get, when you get to the all-star break, everything resets. Because the Southern League has a first-half championship and a second-half championship. And so once you get through that all-star break, you, your record goes back to zero and zero. So it's like starting a season from anew. And then once we got into the second half, man, we started playing really, really well. We built up a nice lead in the Southern League. We were up by as many as like seven or eight games at one point. Um, you know, uh, earning a playoff spot was, was big. Um, winning the division championship regular season was big. And then, of course, winning the division championship series and then winning the, the Southern League championship series. Those were all little boxes to check along the way and little milestones uh, that I was, you know, sort of looking to accomplish during the course of that run. I mean, do you, how hot did you guys get there toward the end of the season and created that role into the postseason? Man, I think we won 11 out of our last 12 or something fun like that. You know, one thing that happened was um, our high A team in South Bend finished their season and we were still going. So we got an influx of some of their, um, you know, really talented players came up to us. Uh, center fielder named Kevin Alcantara, who was a really, really strong prospect. Um, Matt Shaw, um, who was a first round draft pick in this year's draft. Um, Moises Ballesteros uh, played first base for us. So we, we added some some new, young, really energetic, really, really good players to a to a veteran roster, and uh, that was that was a really nice influx at the time. How important was that mix? Because you know, you're riding your guys that have been there all season, and then you, you bring these uh, guys. I mean, how was the chemistry? Uh, it seemed like yeah, winning a championship was seemed pretty good. The players were a ten out of ten the entire time I was with them, the entire season. And every time a player would go, anytime a new player would come, they were. Uh, welcoming with open arms uh, we had such great chemistry um you know we had a little uh, part of the season as well um you know leading up to the end in which we lost we, we got swept in a six-game series <laughs> that was that was pretty low low at home and we went on the road in mississippi and we lost i think the first three games in that series as well so you know there was a stretch where we dropped nine in a row and man these players they were they didn't get discouraged. They were determined. You know, some of the guys even came into my office. They're like, hey, Skip, we're going to turn this around. Don't worry about it. I was like, hey, I'm supposed to be making you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I can't say enough about how positive my experience was with these players. They just treated me so well and welcomed me with open arms. Now, we, before we came on the air here, I asked you, you would manage the uh, Adirondack Lumberjacks in the late great Northeast League back in 1998. What experience yeah. did you take from that and how much that helped you with this job uh, with Tennessee? Well, you know, my trajectory uh, getting into pro baseball back in the day was, was an interesting one. You know, I, I played baseball at CBA in Albany, um, won a state championship in 1986, um, transferred to the College of St. Rose from a Division One in South Carolina, Winthrop University, went to the NAIA World Series with St. Rose. Uh, my senior year at St. Rose, 1992, I was actually diagnosed with lymph node cancer um, during the, the conference tournament. I, I collapsed on the field at Bleecker Stadium. Mm. And uh, so instead of a, a conventional entry into professional baseball, um, you know, I was, I had, uh, you know, a lengthy I, intensive care unit stay at St. Peter's Hospital and six months of chemotherapy and another three months of radiation therapy. Um, and man, I came through all that. 
I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted to do with my life at that point. I just, I knew I wanted to still try and play baseball. Um, I started coaching. I coached a Legion team in Scotia, New York. Um, I got a job coaching at a junior college in, in Susanville, California, Lassen College. I drove my, my Plymouth Sundance from Albany, New York, all the way to Susanville, California <laughs> without GPS. <laughs> um, I had a team in the Mountains Collegiate Baseball League, the Electric City Giants. Uh, we played out of Scotia that following summer. Um, and I, I got an opportunity to play overseas in Australia. Um, and that was that was the turning point for me. That was when I got back to having like a kind of like a legitimate baseball playing resume. Um, from playing overseas, you know, I started to play independent ball in the U.S. I played for the Southern Minnesota Stars in the Prairie League of Professional Baseball. Uh, interesting, our ownership group group was uh, some names you might recognize: uh, Tom Glavin, Steve Avery, and John Smoltz. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty high-profile independent team to play for. Um, unfortunately, that next year, a little something reappeared on my chest X-ray, and I went back to square one. But still, it was a pretty major setback in terms of my health. Um, so my, my playing days ended again, unfortunately. But then a uh, funny thing happened. You know, the Southern Minnesota Stars asked me if I'd be interested in managing, to which I said, how much does it pay? And they said, not much. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, so I got my feet wet managing an independent ball at that time in the mid-'90s. And then from the Southern Minnesota Stars, I hired on to manage the Adirondack Lumberjacks in the Northeast League, as you mentioned. Um, so what happened there was my wife and I, Tina, uh, had our first child, Katie, and uh, she was, you know, uh, a newborn and, and a one-year-old when I was managing the Adirondack Lumberjacks. And it just wasn't, that lifestyle wasn't conducive to being a great parent. So I made a decision to pivot and uh, actually got into athletics administration in college uh, at the University of West Alabama. And then gradually I got back into coaching at West Alabama and at Amherst College. Um, and then I got my graduate degree at UMass. And then for 13 years, I was a high school coach at a prep school north of Boston called Phillips Academy Andover. So that was the most recent stop before uh, catching on with the Chicago Cubs uh, back in November. So that's probably a longer, more circuitous story than you had in mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there, there's, there's a, a long story in, in you know how I ended up with the Adirondack Lumber Jackson where I've been since. Kevin Graber joining us here on the uh, Parting Shots podcast. What do you remember about that year? I mean, I, I covered that league uh, from the start in 1995 until the Diamond Dogs' demise after the 2002 season. It was a fun league to cover. I mean, they, 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 I, mean I go back to 1995 when those two teams had a brawl in Game 3 of the championship series, uh, a memorable 1999 uh, division f- uh, playoff round uh Culminate with a game five then at two o'clock in the morning because of several rain delays. What was that rivalry like the year you managed? Oh man, uh, what I remember was um, great competition. You know, with the Albany Colony Diamond Dogs, you know the Allentown Ambassadors and the New Jersey Jackals, and you know all the road trips and, and the players and lots of fun stuff and adventures and hotels and and um, you know sometimes financial concerns. Uh, <laughs> even though the bus <laughs> had been paid for, if uh, you know, if everything was taken care of in that regard, so some stress around that. But what I remember personally is just I'm a totally different coach now than I was then. You know, I was in my 20s back then. Um, the ethos was a little bit different at the time. It was sort of uh, friendly but not familiar. You know, show them who's boss. Um, and, uh, you know, I just I look back at that and look at how much different I am in the way I relate to people and the way I am on the field. It's just totally different now. Now I'm, I'm more about like, man, they don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And I generally do care about the players I'm on the field with. Uh, it's much better for my mental health as well, knowing that every day when my my head hits the pillow that I treated everybody really, really well that day. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm much less of a 
kind of a hardcore uh, coach uh, now than I was then. Um, but the, it's, it's been really good for my coaching trajectory to have had that experience, to be able to draw from that and be able to be a better person now. Yeah, you look at managers in Major League Baseball. I mean, I, I go back to Dallas Green when growing up in Philadelphia, how you know, a, a, a dictator might be too strong a word, but the yeah. players players hated him. I, I mean, I, I, Dallas Green cannot I – mean, God rest his soul, he cannot manage in this. You can't have a guy like that managing today. Uh, yeah. I, mean, you, I mean, I think what Rob Thompson has done with the Phillies is remarkable. He's just very calm, doesn't panic. You see a lot more managers. Of course, the whole strategy of baseball now is different with, than what it was when I was growing up. You you don't have starters going the distance anymore and everything like that. It's, just, it's a different ballgame, but I think the, you know, the managerial job has changed over the years. Yeah, Ken, that's a great point. I grew up a Yankees fan growing up on New Scotland Avenue in Albany, New York. Uh, WPIX 11 Alive, the Yankees games would come on, and my dad and I would watch every one, and I was fascinated by Billy Martin, you know, Earl Weaver. Mm-hmm. These guys were fiery and screamed in umpires' faces and yelled at their players and stuff. And I had a little bit of that managing an independent ball in the 90s. Um, and now, you know, one of the great things about uh, this past season managing a double A is, you know, as I mentioned before, we have a, we had an amazing pitching coach, uh, Jamie Bernilla. Uh We had an amazing hitting coach as well, Rick Strickland. Uh, you know, third base coach, uh, Tyler Leidendorf, great first base coach, Marco Romero, you know, strength and conditioning, nutritionists, everything is covered. And what that really did for me is it freed me up to focus on relationships with the players. Just as simple as like, hey, come out of my office. How are you doing, man? You, how are you feeling physically? How are you feeling mentally? Um, is there anything I can do to help? Um, you know, when I see something going on, I was able to address it. You know, that, that, I thought that was really, really uh, great experience for me i thought it was helpful for the players and also helped us have a good vibe going through even the low times during that season so yeah my responsibility as a manager has really evolved since in independent ball in the 1990s in a way that i think is very very cool yeah uh what does the future hold for you being do you want to manage or you what what's what's going to happen uh down the road because i guess you guys are having your meetings in a couple of weeks or so yeah my uh return to work date is october 11th here in arizona i'm in arizona right now and uh, we're in the midst of, uh, you know, instructional league, and I will join instructional league when I return um, next week. And uh, and and what I would say is that, um, you know, I'm not sure what my responsibilities will bring once we get through spring training next year. Um, if it is to be attached to one team, that's that's super cool. I'm ready to do that. If it's more to to be a roving instructor where I get to coach all the players in our minor leagues, um, that's that's really cool uh, in and of itself as well. You know, I, I mentioned the, the sort of the metaphor of, of getting in the river and swimming before. And, you know, I, I think about that in terms of my, my career as well. I've never been one to put like a huge goal on a dartboard and shoot for that. But, you know, I'm more of like a guy who, uh, OK, here's the opportunity. Let's get in that river. Let's swim. Let's do a great job every day and see where it leads. Are there any aspirations of maybe one day managing a major league ball club? Oh, man, I look at all of the amazing coaches we have in <laughs> our organization who have been at it much longer than I have in uh, affiliated professional baseball, who've been with the Cubs much longer than I have in affiliated professional baseball. So that's not something I even like is even in the back of my mind. It's more of like, okay, what does the organization need? How can I help? How can I help these players get better? Let's do that. The Cubs uh, almost made the playoffs uh, this season. I mean, they, they got really hot right before the trade deadline, which uh, made them buyers instead of sellers. But the, uh, Unfortunately, they faded down the stretch. It was kind of surprised me a little bit. And uh, uh, what does the future hold right now? How is the organization 
looking because uh, it had been a while since they've had some winning seasons, but uh, they finally got going this year. And uh, I mean, I, I think that look at that Central Division there in the National League, and uh, I mean, Milwaukee's good. Obviously, you know, St. Louis dropped off the face of the earth this year, and you know, Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati had a decent year. But uh, are the Cubs on the cusp of you know, getting back uh, to the playoffs? Oh, Ken, I love the direction the Chicago Cubs are heading in. You know, David Ross is our manager in the big leagues. He's awesome. Got to work with him a little bit during big league spring training. Andy Green is their bench coach. He and I have been uh, have become friends. He's been really, really supportive of me uh, since my arrival with the Cubs. Um, our minor league system is is really, really strong, uh, as evidenced by the fact that we just won a, a championship in Double A with the Southern League, uh, the team that I was with. Um, the, uh, much of the group that was with me for the Southern League Championship also won a championship the year before at High A and South Bend, and so the 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 talent coming from the draft, coming from our minor leagues, the guys that we're infusing into the big league roster, man, it's just the momentum is all going in the right direction. I think. Yeah, the last front office with player development, our general manager, and everybody who makes great decisions about personnel, the draft and trades and transactions. I just feel really, really fortunate to be a part of this organization. It's definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, the last manager of the Smokies to win an outright championship, some guy named uh, Tony Larusa. So <laughs> that's a, that's a great achievement. It's been, you know, it's been a while. I think Harold Harold uh, Harold Baines was uh, playing at that time too. So that's a long time. Yeah, Ken, I, I had no idea about that that <laughs> history attached to the AA affiliate Tennessee Smokies. You know, they had won a championship more recently, but it was a co-championship. And the reason why it was a co-championship is because the championship was um, the championship series was canceled due to a weather event. I think there was a hurricane or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. So they just made the two teams that advanced to the championship series co-champions. So they did have that one championship. But yeah, the last outright championship they had won was 1978 with Tony LaRusso and Harold Vance. I had no idea. That was something I read you know, online after the fact. But yeah, it's pretty cool to be a part of history in that way. And just even being in the Southern League, um, there's so much history in that league because you know the the cities you get to go to are you know Birmingham and, and uh, Chattanooga and, and Huntsville and Montgomery and Biloxi and Pensacola. I mean, these are places where baseball has been played um, forever, and a lot of it involves uh, Negro League history as well. Mm-hmm. I remember playing in Birmingham earlier this year um, when I arrived. I walked into the stadium and there was a huge banner of Michael Jordan in a Birmingham Barons uniform. And, uh, you know, the, the Negro League Museum is in Birmingham as well. And I took some time, you know, got up out of bed a little bit earlier than normal and visited the museum before, uh, you know, got to the ballpark that day. And, and I, I just, I tried to understand the moment, taking some of the history of being a, a part of the Southern League. And it was just very, very cool. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the, you know, we're, we're Facebook friends and I, you posted a lot of pictures over the season. It was just great. To, and, uh, you know, I sort of lived vicariously through those pictures and a lot of long road trips, I would imagine, on the bus. Oh, yeah, some nice eight-hour, nine-hour bus rides. Never, you know, playing in Biloxi. Uh, we had, we, we play, you know, you play six-game series. Your only days off are Mondays except for the All-Star break. And so you'll play six games at home or six games on the road. And quite often you'll play a, a game, uh, you know, on a Sunday and you have an all-night bus ride for that Monday off. And we had a, a six-game series at Biloxi, an all-night bus ride. And we got back to Tennessee and I got to my, you know, where I was staying in Knoxville. And I was like, okay i got two choices i can take a nap or i can go for a run and i decided to go for a run and i just jacked up my calf muscle in my right leg i was just out of commission for like a week and a half man it was such a bad decision but <laughs> so i you know part of, part of the 
of the minor league life is understanding how to manage those those long bus rides and those long series and how to take care of yourself when you get some free time. Of course, we say the hockey industry here, uh, it's a lower body injury. Then we know we're not specific <laughs> with that. But <laughs> Kevin, it's been great catching up with you. Congratulations again. And uh, whatever you do, good luck. And uh, if you're managing, great. If uh, you're back uh, doing the roving instruction, that's, that's great. Uh, you're in a great organization there with the Cubs. So it's, uh, it seems like they're back on track after a few years. And uh, have fun. Hey, Ken, I just before I let you go, I just want to say that I grew up reading the Schenectady Gazette and all the local papers, you know, the Troy Record, the Times Union, and the Gazette has always been the one that has covered local sports so, so well. You know, I remember uh, growing up playing at CBA in Albany and even, you know, St. Rose as a college player. Man, you, you used to get the Gazette just to see the coverage and, and get your name in the paper, maybe your picture in the paper once in a while. It was just, it's, it was always a big deal. And so you've uh, done such great work for local sports. The Gazette has always done great work for local sports. So I don't know how much gratitude that you received about that, but I just want to extend that piece of gratitude, man. It's really special. We appreciate it, Kevin. And, you know, it's it's a challenging times, obviously, in this business. And, uh, it's 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 tough, but we're you know, we're still getting the job done. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of stuff's online now, and uh, that uh, obviously people want to have to gravitate there. So it's it's interesting times in the newspaper industry. I'll say that. But there's no substitute for getting your name in the actual paper. Yeah, that. yeah, because you yeah, cutting cutting a clip out of a newspaper versus uh, printing something out online uh, from online. I I'd rather have the the clip of the paper. I I know what you mean. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks again. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck and have a good rest of uh, 2023. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That's Kevin Gray. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em Football and Auto Racing Contest. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. From the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports and formerly of News Channel 13 WNYT. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Shot. Back to wrap up the podcast. I want to wish my son Stephen a happy birthday. He turns 23 on Thursday and he had a great birthday present. Wednesday night, he was down at Citizens Bank Park to see our Phillies take care of the Miami Marlins in Game 2 of the NL Wildcard Series, a 7-1 victory. Uh, he had a great time, and um, I wish I was down there. I wish I could have got some time off, and uh, that would have been a lot of fun. But he had a blast, and uh, looking forward to taking on the Atlanta Braves in the uh, divisional round. So bring on the Braves. Let's go, Phillies. Uh, Red October. Um, so we're going to have a lot of fun with that. The Week 4 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest was Brian Hart of Schenectady with a 15-1 record. Brian wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Brian. The VIP winner was my buddy John Keller of Katie O'Burns with a 12-4 record. I was 11-5 for the second straight week to improve to 39-25. 
My Gazette colleague Adam Schinder was 12 and 4. He is 41 and 23. Uh, JK won a tiebreaker, so that's why he's the VIP winner. I'll announce the You Pick a Football Contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the You Pick em Football banner. And you can look for my picks at dailygazette.com. The Week 31 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Ed Balms of Schenectady with 60 points. Ed wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Ed. The VIP winner is Nick Playtel, Grand Premier Tires with 15 points. And I think Nick's going to win the VIP uh, title this year. I'll announce the auto racing contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Kevin Graber and members of the Union Men's and Women's Hockey Teams for being a part of the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on X and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.